This is The Sidebar, a podcast of the New York Association of Black Journalists. In this episode, we'll be looking at the career path of sports journalism, particularly from the perspective of contemporary journalists of color. We have with us a panel of successful journalists who will be sharing their truly inspiring stories about life on the sports journalism lane, including the challenges they've had to overcome on their way to success, as well as what lessons their experiences hold for those seeking to follow in their footsteps. Anyway, I want to introduce our moderator, uh, Renee Washington, who is a sports reporter and host um, working with ESPN, Fox Sports, and MLB. Uh, She's the host of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, covering all things sports, music, and entertainment, Daily Dive covering the NLL, and Swinging and Missing covering MLB, As a former three-time All-American and Soccer Hall of Famer, she has covered all sports collegially and professionally. Um, And Renee, I'm going to get rid of my video, take off my audio, and let you run this show from here. Um, Take it away. Thank you for the great intro, Benita. And I wanted to give our panel a chance to introduce themselves. If you guys are tuning in, we did not coordinate on the red. I just want to throw that disclaimer out there. Just great minds think alike. We're fully in holiday mode, apparently. And I actually changed like minutes before this. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I guess my uh, panel sensors were tingling that it's like, go put on red. Um, but let's start off with my fellow panelists in red. Um, starting off with you, Dexter, to be able to jump in and share a little about who you are, Dexter Henry. Sure, no problem. Uh, Name is Dexter Henry. Thank you, Renee. I am a sports anchor for the New York Post and SNY. Also recently started as an update anchor for WFAN. Uh, Long career in journalism, been doing this for about 17 years, unbelievably, and love sports journalism from Brooklyn, based in Brooklyn still. Um, That's a little bit about me. And let's keep it rolling with red. Jackie Ray, you're up next. Yes, I also changed my shirt right before we started because I had yellow on and I have a black background. I didn't want to be mistaken for a Steelers fan, so I had to change that. But, um, (laughs) but um, I'm I'm just, I I mean, nobody's perfect, you know, and I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm Jackie Ray. I am a multimedia journalist and a sports journalist here in Los Angeles and Long Beach. Um, I work for the Long Beach Post and Nightcast media and do a lot of freelance work covering the WNBA, NBA, and NFL here in Los Angeles. Wow. Yes, yes. And David Cummings, you're up next. And then last but not least, we'll go to Justin Walters. I thank you. Yeah, David Cummings. I'm currently the uh, senior director of the Race and Culture Unit at CBS Sports. Prior to that, I was a uh, sports writer working in New York, Miami, Jackson, Mississippi, Lexington, North Carolina, and then went to ESPN, where I worked with ESPN the Magazine, and then started my own consulting company for a while. But then this opportunity came up, and so I got back into the corporate side. So looking forward to tonight and uh, having a good time with you guys. And I'm Justin Walters, the oddball who doesn't have any shade of red on whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, clearly left me off on that email. I'm a sports anchor and reporter based out in New York City for PIX11 News. And I also do some stuff with CBS Sports, sideline reporting during the college basketball and college football season. Yes. Well, what I love about these intros and what I hope others are picking up on is all the different hats that we wear, all the different areas that we work in, print, podcast, race and culture, sports, sideline. There's so many different range 
ways that we are able to work within sports. So I know, David, as you mentioned, you do a lot more than just covering games. Can you explain a little bit more about your role within the racing culture department at CBS Sports? Yeah, it's an evolving role, but I think essentially it's to make sure, A, that our content on air is reflective of diverse uh, individuals, but also making sure that we don't make mistakes. We had an, we had an issue last week. One of our reporters uh, made, some, made a remark and took the name of a player and kind of was playing a game off of his name. It was a Native American player. We're in Native American History Month. So try to kind of prevent mistakes like that, but also generate content that is reflective of the diverse audience that we, you know, that we look to uh, engage with. Um, so it's a really, a, it's it's kind of like a, it's, I won't say if it's a big job, but it's an important job. And I think if I'm doing it, if we, my co-lead Sarah Kazadi, uh, as a senior producer, if we're doing our job correct, you won't see or notice what we're doing. So that's that's the good part about it. And I think last week was just one of um, just something that popped up that we're we're on. And and I'll also say one thing about CBS Sports, we take Affinity Months um, seriously, and probably of all the networks out there, we recognize all of them on our air, not just on sports. And that goes from I say Native American History Month, Black History Month, Pride Month. Um, Mental Health Awareness Month, uh, AAPI, all of these are months that, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, that we um, make sure that we give some content on, but also shout out and coverage to. So very proud of those efforts by the company. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, being able to highlight, you know, the importance of each of these different respective um, celebratory months and the different things that diversity brings, you know, to the table. And we each have diversity in, in more than just our skin tone and right. also just the work that we do. And Jackie is a print reporter, podcast host. You've built your brand to be able to, well, we see the setup. I don't have my setup right now, but we see your setup right now. Um, but you're interviewing A-list sports athletes and, and big names and personalities, and you don't have the biggest of networks. And you've still found a way to build your brand to be able to reach those top name personalities you know how have you been able to work to do that and make that possible I think it's just the non-stop grind I think anyone who knows anything about LA uh, when I first moved here the first thing everyone told me is everybody out here got a side hustle um, and that's fact and I think sometimes one of the things like when I'm talking to young people I always tell them don't discount the journey because I worked in property management for a long time, part-time while I was freelancing. Um, although I hated that part-time property management job, I worked in Beverly Hills. And so then I started meeting agents and then I started telling people, oh, I'm doing this podcast. And they were like, oh, I, I'll get this athlete. You know, and at the time they're not big athletes, but they're still athletes. So then you start building your chops. And then all of a sudden I'm getting a call from iHeartRadio that they need somebody to freelance because of this, just because I started out so small. And I think for me, it was also recognized recognizing in me that while I love sports, I'm very much, my passion is social justice. So I couldn't just box myself into that. So I had to tell bigger stories about, you know, how some of these athletes were so instrumental, even if it's on a small scale, on making changes for our future. And I think having the the will and the passion to do that made people want to talk to me about things that had nothing to do with sports. And so you just kind of just build these relationships. I think probably with any profession, it's all about building these relationships. And then now it's, it's that to the point where you can get into the room a little easier. I don't want to say it's easy, but a little easier because you have this body of work that shows you not only know the sports you're talking about, but you care about the athletes that are playing 
explore grind, nonstop grind and caring about who you're talking to. Yes, the grind is, is real and is necessary to build those yes. relationships, to be able to open doors for yourself. You know, when you talk mm-hmm. about just getting your name out there, your face out there, having conversations with people. So as we talk about expanding and being able to utilize the relationships that you're building and the opportunities to open more doors, Dexter, you wear many hats as well, working with the New York Post, working with SNY, working with WFANS Sports Radio, you know, talk about navigating through these different roles and being able to juggle in your grind of working in so many different networks. Yeah, my my path into this is a little similar to Jackie, right? In that I had to start and create a lot of my own. So I've always been juggling different roles, um, should, you, should you say. And a lot of it was having to create my own stuff. I had to create my own production company, um, which got me a lot of opportunities and looks on air. This is how I started covering high school basketball here in New York. So in this way, I feel like I've always been doing it, but I do think there's a lot of value in it because it helped me sharpen a lot of my skills. So whether it was starting as a game night editor for MLB.com very early in my career before I ever got on air, um, whether it was working in print media, now radio. And so now I'm doing both. It really doesn't feel like I'm juggling in a way because I've sharpened my skills so much and I have you know, the reps have got the years of experience doing it. And it's one of the things I always tell young people or people I mentor, which is it's great to have a diverse set of skills. Um, you, you see Jackie does a lot with that too. I know a lot of us here have had a diverse set of skills. And I think it's very important for us, particularly as black journalists in the sports media landscape to have those skills. So in a way, it doesn't feel like you're really juggling. And I know you know this too, Renee, it just feels like you've got a lot of skills and that makes you more marketable. So I think it's just always being focused on putting the time to those skills and being cognizant of the fact that you're sharpening those skills. And so that's how I've always tried to find a balance between what it is that I've been doing. But I also will add to that working on whether one skill, whether it's TV or writing better, or producing better, that's also helped in terms of radio as well too because you're always working on your writing skills or your delivery all these things are sort of connected um and there's no way that one can't help the other and vice versa so yes yes i just love the fact that as each of you are sharing about your experiences um how similar they are as well as how much they resonate i know with me you know versatility as you talk about dexter is it's a skill, it's an asset, it's not a deterrent. It's not something that should be shied away from. And I know even in my own career, I've had people that kind of saying, you're doing too much, you're covering too many sports, you're spreading yourself too thin. I'm like, I only have one life to live and I'm Mm. gonna live it to the best of my ability and do what I'm passionate about and what I enjoy doing. And Justin, I know you're in a similar role where you are working in a variety of sports. You're on the sidelines, you're covering as an anchor and working as an anchor, you know, and you have experienced that versatility every day. And as you talk about, it's not juggling. It's just, it's just what we do. Um, So what is your advice that you can give to somebody who's passionate about working in multiple sports or even multiple levels within sports and covering such a wide range like you do? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this question was kind of answered just by Dexter, as well as everyone else on the panel. It's about remembering what your North Star is, even though you may be in a certain role, don't allow those, those current responsibilities or even that title to dictate or prevent you from going to your future calling. So everyone here can give a long testimony about where they started, how much they were getting paid. For myself, I started behind the scenes and I didn't get that initial on-air job when I graduated from LaSalle. It had to take a few months, started behind the scenes as a production assistant, worked my way up for to an associate producer, which is an AP role. 
that was about 10 months. Then I finally got an opportunity down south and I covered some news in addition to sports. I was a one-man band sports department. I may not seem old, but I'm old enough to do tape to tape. Literally, I'm throwing in a VCR, winding it back, and then putting in another tape, trying to find an in and the out point. So you get those chops and actually did that in college. So it really wasn't that much of an adjustment for me. But that process, you have to really fall in love with it. I know a lot of people, especially in sports and television for that medium, they love to be famous and they get fixated on that end mile route or the marathon, the 26 mile marker. But you have to remind yourself there's so many steps leading up to that point and allow your work to be famous rather than you, that individual to be famous. Because if your work speaks for itself, then everything else is going to come, I guess, uh, second stance. Great point. Mm-hmm. Great points there, Justin, of just staying locked in on your North Star and really what, what drives you, what motivates you, what keeps you going. And as we each talked about, we each have a testimony, we each have a story that got us to this point. And it's always makes me laugh a little bit because I, like you said, Justin, I don't feel that old, but I have people that will say like, wow, how did you get to this point? I'm like, I feel like I just started this journey. So I'm going to open this up to all of you. What helped you get started? You know, for somebody that's trying to get their foot in the door, I know I get young professionals that reach out all the time. I'm sure you each do as well. What have you found made, has made such a difference in getting you to get that foot in the door and keep going from there? And I'll open up to whoever wants to jump in first. Yo, quiet. Yeah, I, jump. I know, it's like, it's like double yeah. that. Nah, I, <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, when I was in college, I was a, I thought I wanted to be an accountant. and But my best friend, he was a uh, computer science major. And he said, do what you love. And I know everybody says it all the time, do what you love. But I happened to be watching a, um, it was a Cardinals-Mets game. And Daryl Strawberry went deep. And growing up in Jersey, I followed the Mets. And I was like, that's what I want to do. You know, I always I was always into sports and I got lucky being in college. I was able to um, I went to Morehouse. I was able to cover high school sports my junior and senior year in the city of Atlanta. So that got my foot in the door and I was able to write. And once that bug hit me, you know, that's what I enjoyed. So every Friday and Saturday while my boys are hanging out, I'm covering high school sports throughout the city. And but that led to. The Journal Constitution gave me a chance to covering um, state playoff games. And then after that, it was like I had to, back then you had to have clips, um, you know, shared my clips and, you know, the local NABJ chapter down there um, gave me an award. And so all of those folks were like, you know, my, when you send out your resume, you know, you have folks who sign off on you. And so that got me started, you know, and I think it's, um, it's an interesting journey because, you know, I think like everyone here, when you're in sports, you know, your job, oftentimes it's a lot of fun, but, you know, we work all the time. There is, you know, there are no vacations, you know, sports are on 24 seven. So when folks get into the business, I always ask them, you know, forget about vacation, you know, holidays or work days. And, you know, if you're lucky, like I was to work for some major corporations, you know, you get to cover the big events. But for me, it started out high school sports, you know, grinding. Um, and, and Justin, you said, man, I was back there. Back then, we used to design the pages. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm really old school. But no, that that's what got me going is a passion for a combination of being in sports and doing something that I enjoy doing. And so that's that was just a fortunate balance that was very, very, very fortunate to happen. Mm-hmm. And don't knock high school sports. High school sports are fun to cover. Oh, I know yes. you're not knocking it. 
I was literally just at a high school sports assignment today covering the top high school basketball team in the country, at least according to Max Preps, which is in New Jersey. And I find different ways to tell these kids stories. One, of course, a lot of these kids are going to go to future aspirations. They have a kid going to Duke as well as North Carolina. And a lot of these kids probably are going to be in the pros eventually. But when you view yourself as maybe the only person that can give these kids a platform, knowing that high school athletics for a lot of kids is the peak, they view you as ESPN. You can do a great job at sharing their story. But getting back to the question that Renee mentioned, for me personally, what helped me on this journey, honestly, was my faith and support system. Because I think a lot of people do not share like how dark some of the days are personally for me when you are going outside your comfort zone and going to a smaller market. I'm not from Tennessee. I don't have any family members that live in Tennessee, but now since living there, I have a whole community that has been supporting me nonstop ever since I left and gone to New York. So relying on that faith, relying on the support system, a lot of people like to, I give credit and shine light on the haters when they get somewhere. For me, it's about my support system. I have so many people from my family that made sacrifices, people that helped me out when my car was broken down, when I was literally paycheck to paycheck, $19,000, mental health struggling. There's a lot of things, especially you don't have to do that. Everyone has their own journey. But in TV, the whole term is started off as a big fish in a small pond. And I started off in a smaller market. You don't have to do that. Your lane is your lane. But when you do do that, understand that you have to really be in love with what you're about to do, because if you're not, honestly, it's going to it's going to get you out of this industry real quick. You will find out this isn't for me. Before someone says something, I just want to say one thing. When I was on the staff at the New York Daily News covering colleges, St. John's at the time, we had this really good high school reporter named Stephen A. Smith. So <laughs> that tells you where things can go. So don't, you're right. Don't knock on high school sports. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll add definitely no knock on high school sports. I mean, high school sports is a huge reason of why I'm even on this panel here. Um, there's no way I would be here without that. Um, and so I have some similarities too, because I don't, when I went to college at university of Pittsburgh, I didn't go in saying, Hey, I wanted to be a journalist. I think I knew in my heart, I always wanted to be a journalist. But, you know, sometimes you like, oh, I got to do this. I was trying to go into the medical profession. Um, and I saw some people on campus, actually somebody who's my mentor to this day, starting a sports show. And I was like, you know what? I want to do that. So I started covering pit basketball and working on a show there. And a lot of, I learned a lot of good things. But fast forward to later in my career and starting off editing and sort of like Justin working behind the scenes where I didn't get that shot. Um, I had to sort of create my own shot and creating that was going out and covering high school basketball for myself. So I found myself investing in myself, getting equipment, getting the camera, going to high school basketball games, shooting it, editing it. And I was turning around and doing packages quicker than the folks at News 12 Brooklyn and the Bronx were doing it. So I was beating them at their own game. And it's funny, I ended up working for them because they saw me beating them at their own game. It was like, hey, why don't you come here and work for us? So, um, yeah, high school basketball was huge because that's where I learned how to build relationships, become a better storyteller. Justin made a great point. Those kids there trust you. They look at you like as, as if you're ESPN. He's 100% right. And it's not just the kids. It's the parents. It's the people in the community. They really trust you, especially when you look just like they do. So you understand the struggle, some of the places they come from. Um, that That's so important. So 
you know, that was huge, hugely key to me getting my start. There's no, that's how I got my start in the industry. I really credit a lot to actually just, you know, I won't even say it's just me because a part of it is what Justin said too, which is my support system. I had a lot of people that nudged me to start mm-hmm. creating my own thing. It wasn't just me. Um, so people pushed me to that. and was like, hey, you should do this. Um, and they believed in me and supported me in doing that. So without that support, no, nah, that's, I wouldn't be here. And um, that's, that's definitely key. And I think that's something I hope a lot of people take from what I said. I feel like Jackie's probably going to add the same thing too, which is, you know, you have to push through and definitely believe in yourself when there, there are those dark days, like Justin said, there are those times where you feel like you're not going to do it. Nobody's believing you and you're not getting that call. That's a lot. And that's real. I'm glad Justin shared that because that's, that's absolutely hundred percent the truth. Yeah, I feel like I went the scenic route um, because I, I I went to college. I knew I wanted to be, if I wasn't going to do music, I actually moved to LA because I wanted to be a singer, but I went to college because I, from a family of academics and there was no way I was going to get out of that house without a degree. <laughs> so I went to college begrudgingly, you know, and then as soon as I got my degree, then I, then I decided to head out to LA with my band. So I moved out here with my band we had this regular gig at this bar in Hollywood and I used to go there every Sunday to watch football sun up to sundown. I would be there. And a few times there was an altercation with me and a woman because she would think I was taking too much of her man's time and, you know, talking sports. Cause I am a trash talker. I think you guys could probably tell that from how the show opens. I've talked trash. Um, and then one day I just, you know, got a group of girls that I had altercations with and I sat them down at a table and I was like, okay, I'm going to explain this game to you so you can have these same kind of conversations. And the guy at the bar, his name was Cap. He's like, you need to start a podcast. You need to start a show. You need to start something because the way you break down sports, he's like, it, I, I was paying attention. He's like, you need to do that. So I started a show called Ladies Corner where I specifically talked about football in a way that made the novice woman understand the game. And then from there, I got picked up by Homegrown Radio. They had a, a, another podcast that was covering high school sports. And I just felt like we were covering it kind of on the surface. So I started going out to the high schools and saying, hey, can I, can I create packages for some of your top athletes? So I was literally starting to create, like highlighting some of these, you know, either top performing um, athletes or these athletes that maybe a change sports or things like that. So I kind of just changed up things that way. And then from there, I started getting freelance work with iHeartRadio and CBS. So it kind of just all, and then the next thing I knew I wasn't singing anymore. So it kind of just all, you know, went this route. And then I ended up working for Torrent City Cable, got this job overseas for, for two years, being an anchor, a news anchor over there and then covering so they don't really get mainland sports. So I covered that and then ended up moving back to LA. So my journey was kind of just not where I always said I'd do one or two things, either be a singer or a sports reporter. So I'm glad that I at least don't have to be something else, but it was definitely not my plan A. It just kind of ended up being my plan A. That's why I tell people all the time, you got to trust the journey because everything I learned on that road is so instrumental in helping me connect with people now. And so I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the key is understanding that everybody's journey is their own. You know, so many times uh, we as a society get caught up in comparing and looking over the fence and second guessing ourselves because we live in a world where everything is in our face. You know, we're constantly seeing people's highlight reels. And as you were talking about, Justin, and as we each tapped into um, there, there are hard days. I still have hard days. I, I'm not going to act like my life is perfect now. Um, you know, I still have times where finances dip or I'm not feeling so great or mental health isn't where it needs to be. And maybe I need to take a step back. 
So it's understanding that the journey is your own. And for me, my journey was also the scenic route because my undergrad degree was not in broadcast or, or sports media, it was in public relations. And I thought that was the direction I wanted to go. So all eight of my college internships were in marketing and PR and social media management. My graduate degree as I was coaching college soccer was in educational leadership. And so making that pivot to pursue, as you were talking about, David, what I was passionate about, what I was interested in, took a leap of faith and took me stepping out and having an opportunity to get an internship as I applied to every possible job, I was given an internship opportunity or a full-time job as a first assistant D1 coach. I took the internship um, as an adult that had bills to pay that needed some benefits. I took the internship. I took that leap of faith. But you know, within that, what I stress and each of you have touched on as well is creating your own on your path. It doesn't just fall into your lap. It doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up and say, I, you know what, I want to be on TV. And it just you're just magically on TV. Using your resources, podcasts, YouTube channels. I created a website and a YouTube channel. There are so many different ways you can freelance write. There are ways to just go out and shadow. You can network. Tons of ways that are free, that are right in your own pocket, literally with your phone, that you can now tap into to be able to take advantage of these opportunities to grow your own career, build your own brand. So I know for each of you guys, you've touched on just your own journeys, your own experiences, but a big part of this is relationships. I know personally, my first job, first two jobs, I would say was me actually applying. The rest of my jobs have come through relationships and come through, as you've all talked about, you get a foot in the door, one place, somebody sees you, they like you, they all, you know, they connect you with a producer or a network somewhere else. So what is your advice to building those relationships organically and the right way that you can see it come into fruition, maybe not in that instant, it's not, I need a job, but it might be years down the line that that relationship or even that networking opportunity, covering that high school player that now goes pro, seeing Stephen A. Smith, who's now obviously a big household name. How have you been able to navigate through building relationships the correct way? And uh, David, I'm going to start with you because we haven't heard from you in a little while now. So, oh man, um, <laughs> I, you know what? So first thing I did when um, I was brought here as I looked up Jackie, Dexter, and Justin, and I knew Justin, because in the role that I'm in now and on the other side, I'm always looking for talent, right? And so just being on this this right here um, panel is opened me up to, you know, two other individuals that I need to check out and watch. So I, that's like, and for me, I would say, yes, you're 100% correct. NABJ was big for me. Um, I don't know if you guys go with the sports task force breakfast, mentor breakfast that's there every year that's something when I was at ESPN we started um young lady named Roxanne Jones because individuals helped us and so we were like hey how can we connect and my first one was literally in Nashville with Mike Wilbon Stewart Scott and Bill Roden and it just morphed into this huge thing it is now but the point is always you know I've, I've always been one to look back and try to say hey, who can I can help and so I think it, it starts with having that mindset, right? That, okay, I'm, you know, I'm at, I'm at the part now where yes, relationships will help me get further, but I can help more people get to where, or the journey that I took, then, then I can go further up. And so that, that's the whole thing for me is always about giving back. And so I think whenever you're in any setting, whoever you're talking to, it's all about being respectful because that person at some point can be your boss or as we all started out on one level, but then as you're in the business, all those guys that you started out with at the, that, that lower level, they're going to be climbing. 
And as they climb, they then have the connections to come back to, hey, like you said, I remember David from some chain, I'm doing this is going on over here. Um, so that's that's the that those are very important. But I think what I've been most impressed on this panel is everyone here has multi-platform skills. And in today's world, that is very important. You can't just be one thing. You know, you've got to be able to do and well, we used to call it backpack journalism back in the day. And now so you have to have multi-platform skills. So what you're doing with the podcast and writing and going on radio, you know, learning how to be production skills, all of those things are, are very key today. And so I would say at the end of the day, yes, it is about networking, but it's like, how do you network? I look at every opportunity as a network, you know, so I'm looking forward to following up with everyone on here, you know, for story ideas, potential opportunities. Um, that's That to me is how, you know, take advantage of every setting that you're in. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what what David said there. Um, definitely, what he said is, you know, try to be nice to everybody you, you can be. It pays to not be a jerk, right? Like you don't have to you don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be super cool with everybody you work with or everybody you work with. You're going to go grab a beer or something like that. But I think when people respect your work ethic and how you treat them, I think that goes a long way in terms of building relationships. And I feel like something that David mentioned that I started doing now in my career or later in my career is you know, looking at everything as a networking opportunity. I, that That's really great advice there and understanding that there's always an opportunity to network, no matter who you meet in the field. Justin and I have known each other in the field for years and we've connected there through, through various ways. Um, Renee, I've known you for, for some time as well too. And we've spoken as well too. So it's always good to connect with people. You never know how it would pay back. I think one example I would give, because Renee, you talked about how a lot of the opportunities you get at first is from applying, but then as you get more connections, that changes. One of my, my biggest first break, I guess you'd say professionally on air, was working for the New York Post early in my career as a video journalist. And then last year, it came back full circle, got an opportunity to come back and anchor. And it helped that I had a lot of connections still there, a lot of reporters I had worked with there that liked my work, that wanted me to come back and referred for me to come back. So you never know how that's going to pay off. I wasn't thinking 15, 17 years ago, whatever it was, that that would pay off, but it did because I had good relationships, did good work, stayed in contact with a lot of those people. So I think that's something for young people to definitely keep in mind, which is be mindful of a job you may do early in career. You never know how it'll, how it'll pay back. Or for another example is, and the work that I do now, sometimes I need guests to do something. I like Jackie's work. I know David or Justin or you, Renee, now I want to bring people into the fold to be guests on what I do, because I want to amplify you and bring it up. And I, that's another thing I agree with David on. The more you do that, and the more you try to amplify and help others, the better it's just going to be for you, the blessings you'll see come back on that. So that's something I definitely always try to do. Amen to that. And Justin, before you jump in, I want to add a piece for you and for Jackie to touch on as well as in addition to building relationships with colleagues, also with the, the players, the coaches, you know, people that you are covering, not being starstruck, being organic, being genuine and building those relationships so that they will be more inclined to want to speak with you, open up to you, join your podcast, whatever it may be, uh, to build those relationships the right way as well. So I don't know which one of you wanted to jump in first, but I feel like Justin, you were ready. <laughs> so I'll yeah, I could. I can jump in. I'll start on first about networking with people in your industry. And the specific one I want to focus on is the how. Because I find that a lot of times when people 
believe that they're ready for an opportunity, this meaning that they're ready to network with someone, they're necessarily not. And what I mean by that is when you connect with someone at NABJ, the strength of sending a follow-up email. If that person doesn't respond to a follow-up email, making sure that you send another timely follow-up email and just making sure that you stay in contact with this person. You can reach out to them once every other quarter. You can just check in and say like, hey, I'm in your city. I would love to connect with coffee. Maybe they don't respond. Then another quarter, you can say, here's my latest work, X, Y, and Z. But the strength of making sure if you are going to connect with someone, that you are making sure that it's a two-way street and that it isn't just transactional because, of course, you're trying to reach out to this person, whether it be for advice or you want them to be your actual mentor. Some people are in your life in terms of your industry for a season or for a reason. And they're going to find some people that for 10 years, this was your go-to person, but maybe you elevate to a different part and you're not communicating with that person as much. But the main thing is the communication and making sure that you stay on top with that individual. Because I find a lot of times that people will only send one-off emails and maybe I'm at NABJ and you're getting a ton of emails because you're reaching out to people. And I now have at least a decade in the industry that people at least think what I say is somewhat helpful. <laughs> so when people reach out to me, I'm like, okay, I didn't get the email, maybe it went to spam, but consistent and being on those. Um, but for the second part for the athletes, you can't really get starstruck. Maybe it's me, I've never been starstruck and I haven't had that interview, but specifically trying to connect with them I think you have to find maybe a common thread because the pandemic is air quotes kind of over. We've been allowed to as journalists for my beat specifically in New York, one of them is the Giants. So the locker room is open. When the locker room is open, you get a chance to just rub shoulders with the athletes if you can ask them questions. Maybe they have a cause that they want to get out there or you know that this player has a coach that you're cool with and you guys both know them. So you find that icebreaker and then you find out different ways that you can stay in contact with this athlete. I'm not saying you go up to an athlete, you have a good conversation, you say, hey, what's your number? <laughs> Let me connect with you. It doesn't really work like that. And you also find out with a lot of these athletes, specifically in the number one media market, you're going to get stuff cleared by the PR department, but it's helpful when the athlete is going to vouch for you. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I remember my first um, my first break into like networking with athletes was with Trevor Ariza and he was having this um, charity event out here in LA. And so I get a phone call and I'm all excited because I'm like, yes, I get to interview him. They were like, no, we need an extra camera person. And I was like, <laughs> oh, boo, you know? <laughs> so, but it was going in there and then all of a sudden, you know, I filmed it and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna put all this stuff together for my reel. And then I showed it to them and they ended up using a bulk of that footage for their project. And then had me go in them when they were on 950 out here, um, which is a uh, sports radio station out here. And then I get to, got to meet big boy. And then I'm you know, telling big boy, I've listened to you for years. And then the next thing I know, and it's one of those things that I don't really know how it happened. I don't know what was said, but about three weeks later, I'm getting a call asking if I can fill in on a show. You know, So it was just one of those things where I don't know. I didn't even say much when we were there, but you know, that was that level of professionalism that I think was very important. So, you know, I agree. I, I, it's difficult to get starstruck in my opinion, because you're working, you know, this is a part of your job. You have to be professional. So it's all about being professional and just knowing that you don't know how people are viewing you, you know, something so minor to you could be a big deal to someone else can look extremely professional to someone else and can make them say you know what this is a person I want to work with in the future so um, I, I am a big fan of not passing up opportunities um, I'm also a big fan of saying no sometimes I think sometimes we get so excited of 
you know, let's get this opportunity, but maybe we've reached that plateau in our career, especially financially, where now if we say yes to this, we're kind of going backwards. And I think sometimes we have to understand that saying no is, is important because just because you said no doesn't mean that you're turning down, you know, that specific person, but it is that phone call that says, you know, I'm sorry, this opportunity didn't work out, but I, you know, I, I would love to work with you in the future if the opportunity presents itself and this making sure you stay professional to give them that opportunity to circle back. That's been great for me. That's how I got the job at the Long Beach Post, you know, so it's, it's just one of those things where I think that as long as you move with integrity and professionalism um, and you're nice, you know, <laughs> I think that helps a lot. Yeah, professionalism is definitely key. Also, um, as you each touched on, like not being so transactional with how you're reaching out. I know I'm the type that everywhere I am working, I am getting to know everybody, especially don't let me walk past you more than once because I will now know your name, a little bit about you. I'm going to ask because first of all, I just think it's, I was raised to think that it's rude to just continue to be around somebody, not say hello, or even just give a, a friendly smile. So I'm going to know the producers, the camera people, the lighting people, um, the guy that's that's taking out the trash. You know, I'm going to know everybody because, A, why not? You know, and you never know in this world, it's such a small world. You never know who knows who. But also for me personally, as a, especially as a female in these spaces, it's so helpful to know names and faces, security guards. I know 90% of security guards everywhere that I work. You know, they're now like, hey, Renee. And I'm like, hey, you know, and I, how, how's your holiday? Just, just having those small conversations with people because you want to be comfortable when you're working. You want to feel like you're in a community as Justin was talking about in Tennessee, feeling like you're in a community where you're welcome. And so now when you walk into that space, this is family. These are friends. These are people that, you know, so networking and relationships is more than just colleagues or people that can help you possibly get a job. It's also taking time to just get to know people around you. And in terms of players, I agree. You definitely should not be starstruck. Obviously, we have players that we're fans of, coaches, teams that we grew up watching, whatever it may be, but this is a job. So being professional, carrying yourself with that level of um, just calmness and composure in those spaces. I, I don't mind saying to somebody, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of your work, but I'm not going to say it in a way that comes across like I'm fangirling, you know? So there's a way that you, your tone, how you're carrying yourself, how you're interacting that does have that separation that this is business. And when you're in that locker room, when you're interviewing that player, you know, and you built that rapport and now you say, hi, how are you? As, as you pass them, you know, they're more likely to want to speak with you versus if they feel like you're just another reporter sticking a mic in their face. Right. So take time to build those relationships, take time to get to know people as uh, each of you touched on as well with like following up. Don't just send one email or one message or one text. It's the holidays, for example. Now's a great time. Hey, I hope all is well. Happy holidays to you, you and your family. And, you know, sending my regards. And within that, you're not asking for anything. You're simply just checking in and wishing them well. So definitely being comfortable finding those opportunities to just reach out and stay in touch with people. And another big part of this industry is storytelling, pitching stories, coming up with creative stories. There are so many different mediums now for digesting sports content, entertainment, news, politics, you know, what is your advice for standing out, whether it's through your podcast, through your show, through the interviews, or just how you're conducting your interviews that you would want to share with others? Um, Dexter, I feel like I'm virtually connecting with you on eye contact, so I'm going to start with you. Um, what is your advice to others for having that creativity in how you're going about your storytelling? Yeah, I think one thing, Renee, I've always tried to do is 
try to make sure I was telling stories that I felt inspired by. And if I really wasn't, then I'm not going to go there, right? Because I think the best storytelling is done by things you're passionate about, by things you really want to do. But I think one way to stay inspired, like, for so before I got back into sports, I did, was a weather reporter for three years with AccuWeather. Um, and I'll be honest here, I did not love that uh, for, the, for, for my time there for a variety of reasons. But while I was there, I had the opportunity. I started thinking about, okay, what can I do that's going to put me in spaces to get back into the sports world where I was before? And so I did a bunch of sports and weather stories um, while I worked for AccuWeather. And that was me tapping into what I was passionate about. Another thing that I did while I was there is I wanted to tell a lot of stories about how minorities, Black and brown people were affected by weather conditions. And I had the opportunity to do that as well, too. And so I really was passionate about that. I pitched a lot of those stories to um, my editors. Um, they fortunately, they let me do some of them, not all of them. They let me do some. And I think some of that stuff came out really good. I started the first ever Black History Month series at AccuWeather, which nobody had done before. Um, so I think it's tapping into what you know you're passionate about, what you're good, what, what you're good at, and sticking to that. And whether it's your editors, your producers, whatever, letting them know, hey, this is something I am passionate about. These are the stories I want to tell. This is why they're important. That's something I've always found to help me in terms of pitching, uh, selling people a lot of times on why it's important. And sometimes letting them know like, hey, especially a story about Black people or a particular community, hey, I'm a Black voice on this. I understand this community. I'm connected to this community in a, in a certain way. Um, and generally, you know, because we know the way newsrooms generally look, a lot of times they are not going to be able to combat you on that and say that you can't, right? So I found that very helpful. And the, the last thing I'll say too is um, if you can't pitch those stories, if you are not allowed to do those stories, I think it's important for you to try to do those stories on your own. Um, there were stories I didn't have the chance to do with some other places I worked at. And fortunately, I was able through my own, my own creation to be able to tell some of the stories I wanted to. I told the story a couple of years ago about how athletes were using their voice during a pandemic. Um, and I worked on this piece, a long form piece independently, and I ended up winning a Telly Award for it. So I felt very proud of it, whether I had won the award or not, but just taking the opportunity to tell the stories you want to tell and creating your own opportunities through that, I think is very important. So when it comes to pitching, pitch what you're passionate about. Don't waste your time and your energy on things that you were not passionate about, other, because it's not going to be the best stories that you can tell. Bars. <laughs> Thank you, Just man. I try to have a good flow there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I'll share something short. I think the main thing for me for storytelling because it's something I'm passionate about is being curious. So I'm fortunate enough to be able to tell stories in a very small window on CBS Sports because sideline reporting for anyone that hasn't done it, you have only so much time. Like literally, I'm talking about the seconds. You have to be very concise and compelling. So with that, I think the curiosity goes with the research. When you're in week one of the season, it's easy to tell stories because no one has told X, Y, and Z, and you're following up off of last season. But if you're going deeper into the weeds later in the season, a lot of the stories have been told. So I think you just find out how would you want to approach this? And if you're genuinely curious about an athlete and how they had a performance or how they changed something, that is very helpful. And then for longer form storytelling or long form storytelling, I think you have to really, really do your homework, watch past interviews, don't rely on things that have gone viral, go deeper and try to find out why this person hasn't really delved into this topic or they haven't really expanded on X, Y, and Z. 
because if it's important to you and you think you can find an angle, whether it be a community or a mom that you really think would care about this story, then you should go for that. Yeah, I agree with that too. I think one of the things that I try to convey to people is sometimes one of the, some of the best stories, at least for me personally, are the stories that are kind of hiding in plain sight. Things that we all kind of see, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to work on right now is how we have, you know, when you're talking about black, about black quarterbacks in the NFL, they're almost expected to be able to run and they are going to run your body into the ground, i.e. Cam Newton, what we're seeing with Tua Tagovailoa, you know, those types of things. But then Josh Allen is just an amazing quarterback. There's a period at the end of that sentence. It does not flow past that. So those one of the one of those stories that are hiding in plain sight when I was covering the WNBA last year and we all saw what happened with Liz Cambage with all those racist comments kind of coming back to the surface and then all of a sudden NECA becomes the representation for Liz. So it's one of those like why why can't we talk to Liz directly what's going on behind the scenes that they do not want her to talk to us in public and I think those finding those stories that are happening right in front of people. Because if I'm asking those questions, I can guarantee you other people are asking those questions. And then it's like what you said, it's just about doing the research. Um, I, I, I very much like to be incognito in the hallways as much as possible. Just pick up on those conversations that are just going on between athletes, between coaches. And obviously, I'm, I'm going to try to move with integrity and not print those per se or just say sources tell, say or something like that. But asking those direct questions based on things that I've heard and really digging deeper because those things are just right in front of us sometimes, but we don't, we just gloss over them. And I think telling those stories is, is really important as well. I would just add um, understanding what stories work with that organization or show, you know, researching and saying, okay, well, this show does this kind of stories. Like if you watch real sports, it's always the same thing. 60 minutes is just a long investigative piece. So if you're, if you're going to pitch a story, make sure it fits the outlet. And, you know, because every every content creator has a specific angle that they like. And so that's one of the things I think, you know, people should, um, those who are looking to pitch freelance stories should make sure that it fits that particular publication or, you know, network. Mm -hmm. Some great points. I could not agree more, especially about doing your research. Sometimes the best questions are the simplest questions. You don't always have to overthink it. Um, but then also finding ways to be concise or, or be creative. I know for some of my ESPN broadcasts uh, when I'm doing sidelines, since it is quick, I try to add in like a witty line where it makes sense. Um, so being able to, to deliver it in a way is also very important. So I know we have a ton of questions and we are running up against time. So what, what we'll do for these is uh, panelists, if like just one or two people can quickly jump in on these, we'll just try to knock out as many of these as we can. And so the first question is, um, what advice would you give to a college senior, or I'll just say any student that is applying for internships or jobs? Miriam Luz has asked that question. So um, one or two people want to quickly jump in on some advice for applying to internships and jobs. Real quick, I work with some students at St. Uh, Francis College. Make sure your resume reflects your efforts, um, that your social media channels are on there. Then as, as long as it's social media, your parents or friends can watch. Um, but really, resume, go to the Career Service Center and make sure that your resume is tight. Um, I, the first of, that's the first thing I do. I get, you know, and make sure your resume has an objective that, you know, your name is on it. It's, it's so simple because that's the reflection. If you have reels, make sure there are links to that because if I'm going to look at this, you know, I don't want, I want that to be, okay, this is, that's your 30-second elevator pitch, right? As soon as I get it, I should be able to find your work 
and get to know about you. So that that to me is, is and, I'm, and I'm telling you, I, I do this with a bunch of college students. And that's the number one thing for me is that their resumes, they just feel like, you know, if it's something you did in high school, it doesn't matter. You know, just tell me, what have you done? What are your classes? What are on there? What's relevant to that field? Yeah, some quick advice as well about that. When you do get the internship, don't treat it as an internship. Treat it as a job. There are a lot of seniors that are able to parlay that into a full-time opportunity right after they graduate. So make sure that you use that internship as an opportunity or springboard to stay at that company or go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I love it. So another great question that we have, uh, this one coming in from Maya Reese about complacency, some tips you have to avoid feeling complacent or feeling like you've peaked in your career. Um, I would say just recognize that feeling and don't be afraid to act on it here at the Long Beach Post. Um, one of my favorite colleagues has moved on, but she's been a reporter in Long Beach for 20 years. She's the best, in my opinion, the best investigative reporter in Los Angeles County period, hands down, but she's been doing it in this specific market for 25 years. And she doesn't feel like her work no longer reflects who she is because she's complacent. And I think that once you recognize that in yourself, once you're not satisfied with your work, because you know what your work looks like, you know what you want it to represent, when it, once it no longer represents that, I think no matter how long you've been there, no matter how scary those waters might be, don't be afraid to branch out because now she's elevating to a whole different plateau. So never be afraid to just move on. I think what also can help you from maybe, I think it's, Feeling complacency is not unavoidable, but I do think what helps is if you have your hand in different things, as we talked about from the top, right? You know, you're always pushing yourself to learn different skill sets, learn new things about the industry. I think one of the things you can really focus on as you get older is try to always remember, like, you media is always evolving and changing. So if you're just staying stuck in the same place, you will end up in that complacency place. Not that it's a bad thing, like Jackie said, because it's something that can push you to something greater. But I think always trying to diversify your skill set, always trying to learn new things, always trying to push yourself as a journalist to find new ways to tell stories or, you know, different stories to tell, I think can help you from avoiding complacency or when you reach that point, knowing exactly what you need to do to move past that. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always being a life learner. I think that's something that I've tried to really embody. Like there's always something else to learn, to try to do, to, you know, that you can, um, explore that maybe you aren't currently doing and that might not even be professionally maybe that's a hobby maybe your complacency is because you need more balance in your life so I think there's always a way to work through that and like Jackie said acknowledging it we are human no matter how old you are no matter how accomplished you are where you are in life you're going to have some of these natural ebbs and flows as you're working through your career and it's okay to take a step back and reflect in those moments to figure out what that really means so speaking of um, being a life learner there's a question from Craig Allen Brown about consuming sports information and what do you recommend for consuming sports in order to be as knowledgeable as possible I know we talked about research so what are your recommendations for best going through that research process as a content creator and reporter read (laughs) you gotta I mean get on get on the internet and just read uh, as much as you can consume as much content shows you know, that's where it's at to know what's one thing about this business. You got to know what's going on. Right. And, you know, if you don't know, last weekend was Michigan, Ohio State. If you don't know 
college football playoff tonight? You know, just what is the next story? What's coming on tomorrow? What is OBJ going to do? You know, these are it's across sports. You got to you just got to read. You got to get there. I mean, I think I spend more time jumping across, you know, websites, just just seeing what are the headlines? You know, you have to read everything. But what's going on? I'm not a big Twitter person, but, you know, it's a it's definitely become an outlet to find out what is trending. So, you know, just being out there and, and just consuming as much media as possible. That's that's like one of the things I think has always been that foundation, which goes to the points that everyone said, which is knowing your research. Yeah, and I know Craig didn't ask this, but I also think you should read the news. And I know it sounds really silly, but you really have to be in the know about everything that's going on. So as much as you can, whether it be NBC, MSNBC, Fox, CNN, whatever your article or outlet is, I think you should try to be up to date with everything, not just in sports, but in news, because it's also going to help you as a journalist. Mm -hmm. And to echo that, I know another question just came in around um, working through misinformation on social media, because as you talked about, David, there are a lot of ways to get that information through trending topics and Twitter and things, but you have to fact check too. You know, don't just rely on Twitter as being your sole source of news. As Justin and David were just touching on and alluding to, take time to read articles, do research. You know, I, my friends jokingly tell me I'm a detective and I'm in the wrong line of field, but it's because I do the research. Like you should be digging deeper and not just taking everything at glance. There's bots, there's fake pages, there's fake news, and you don't want to be caught up in that by mistake. Um, so another question around, um, just how you go about skill development, any recommendations? I know we talked about being life learners, but if there's anything specific that you recommend for developing some media specific skills that you can share with the rest of the audience. I think everyone here on the panel has been a former athlete in some capacity, even if you want to count your CYO days at eight years old. <laughs> but for those that do consider themselves an athlete even now, I think you have to still be a student of the game. So for me, being on the TV form, I still go back into what I call the lab and I critique myself. And if you want to get outside opinion, I think you share it with your mentors or anyone else of your inner circle. So if you're in a print form, you share with someone like, hey, could I have done this lead better? How did you like this ending? Could I have done this quote better? Did I bury the lead X, Y, and Z? TV is pretty straightforward. The podcast, you can say like, hey, what did you think about this intro? So always trying to finding ways to critique or I guess, take your game to the next level because you're never going to see the finished or final version of yourself in TV. You're always growing. Yeah, if I could jump on that too. I think um, one of the things that I've always told people that's helped me a lot and it's helped a lot of people that I know is it's going to sound weird, but an improv class, especially if you're planning on being on air, because it just trains you to active listen. I know we're, as interviewers and, and journalists, we're supposed to be doing that, but I know sometimes you get caught up on your next question. But when you take that improv class, it automatically teaches you how to active listen and to think on your feet very quickly. Especially, And that's great if you're doing, you know, color commentary or if you're doing any kind of sports analyst work so don't 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 shy away from that improv class if it's available to you there's a lot of free ones out there too wow yeah there's definitely some great free resources online linkedin has a lot youtube has a lot improv classes are good um, just to be able to get some of that uh, hands-on experience with different skills and then um last question i want to ask and this comes from Rafiq about advice you have to getting invited 
whether as a freelancer, just as a sports personality onto major media platforms. So getting opportunities to j- jump in on shows, networks, what is your advice for growing your career in that way about the exposure that you're getting? I'll say, I think um, a lot of opportunities for me jumping on different shows and things of that have come from something we talked about before, right? Which is actually working on the networking and connecting with people. When you do that, it'll open you up for so many more opportunities, even when you don't realize those opportunities will, will come. Another thing I'll say today is because you can post so much of your work different places, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, that opens you up. A lot of people reach out and connect to me through those platforms. LinkedIn actually is one that I've really used a lot in the last year or so that's opened me up to people saying, hey, can you come on my show to talk about this? Can you come to talk about whatever it may be? Um, so that happens a, a lot of times. And I think just posting your work, be you're your best promoter. Nobody's going to promote you like you. So lean into that, promote your work as much as possible. And again, don't be a jerk to people. Be pretty nice. It'll help out. It's nice if you're dope at your job, but if nobody likes you, that they ain't gonna ask you to be on this show. It's pretty simple as that. <laughs> yeah, last thoughts from anybody before we wrap up on that point, or maybe anything else that you wanted to to share before we conclude. I would just say hashtags. Um, I know just to kind of echo what Dexter said, hashtags. Um, I have a friend, uh, shout out to Nick Hamilton, but he does exactly what Dexter just says. He posts everything and then he will hashtag everybody. And then when I'm calling him like, hey, can you come on my show? Oh, I can't. I got this with NBC. I got that. I'm like, how are you getting on? He's like, I just hashtag everybody and they DM me. So I haven't done that, but I guess I should start. So yeah, hashtags. (laughs) Good point. Yeah, my final two cents is believing in yourself. A lot of times in this industry, there's going to be some moments of self-doubt and we do plateau occasionally or you have some moments where you may mess up on there, you have a bad article, bad podcast, you don't have the best question, just remind yourself of who you are. I guess we were talking earlier before the panel even started about the whole Black Panther thing when uh, Angela Bassett was like, show them who you are, remind yourself of who you are. Ah. I always say participate in programs like this, you know, because you'll learn and, you know, you're, you're showing a dedication to take the time out to expand, you know, your knowledge as well as your, you know, face. And to be honest, and I think, um, Justin, you said it earlier, everyone who's watching this should be reaching out to all of us because if we took the time to do this, now you got to take the time to say, Hey, if you have something that, you know, you may not got a question answered, you know, we're all here and you can research All of us can be found. And I think that's the part where, you know, you go that extra mile, that's what shows, hey, this person did that. And like, and like Justin said, that one email is not enough, you know, because people are busy. And then that follow-up is like, oh, wow, now you feel like bad. I didn't respond the first time. So just, just get yourself out there, participate in events, get as, and, get as, and spread your wings as wide as possible. Yeah, I'm going to also piggyback on that, David. That's the last thing I was going to say, which is, don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to jump and just reach out to people. Um, I'm going to be reaching out to Jackie here and David here, who I haven't had a relationship with before. I'm doing that. So, right. you know, and Justin, of course, you know, I know you, so I'm going to talk to you too. I'm not going to leave you out, brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but sure. you, I think that you, you can't be afraid to do that. You can't be afraid to jump. You have to make connections. You never know where it can lead you. And another thing is you never know how mentorship develops. So I've developed mentor, men, mentees now from people just reaching out to me. 
that have shown me that hunger that David's talking about, that Justin's talking about, that willingness to follow up. And I've personally been very impressed with that. So I'm like, okay, this is a guy, a guy, young man, a young woman who I think is, you know, worthy of mentoring and worthy of the time and energy that should be placed in that. So don't be afraid to reach out for people. You never know where that mentorship could come from. Yeah, such great nuggets of information. An hour is just not enough. I just want to echo all these sentiments of networking, building relationships, paving your own path, running your own race too, not getting caught up in comparisons and doubting yourself and just staying the course because this is an industry where there are so many different seats at the table. So find your own lane and then make sure that you're always finding ways to evolve, to grow, to learn, to have that balance, to reach whatever those goals may be. A special thanks to our panelists. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give the sidebar a great review. A reminder that the opinions discussed on the podcast belong solely to the individual and do not reflect the views of the New York Association of Black Journalists. For more information on NYABJ, please visit our website at www.nyabj.org. Music is by Holizna Raps. <laughs>